We wish you welcome. Also, our listeners, we wish you welcome. And may the Lord Jesus, the Lord of peace, who is the Lord of peace himself, give you his peace, no matter what today is like, no matter what today happens. The Lord be with you, be with you all. We're in Matthew 20, chapter 20, the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 20, starting in the 29th verse. And the Lord had told how a man, some time back he was telling how a man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And that he was attacked by robbers who had stripped him of his clothes and beaten him and left him half dead. And now J. Vernon McGee, in Through the Bible, he reminds us that Jesus and his disciples are going in the opposite direction. They're going from Jericho to Jerusalem. So there's an opposite direction from the man that Jesus was talking about from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho, who fell among thieves. And see this, the Lord is going from Jericho up to Jerusalem in order to die with thieves. The man who came down, he was robbed by thieves, and Jesus is going up to die with thieves. And we can never come to him there where they came to him on the road, on the side of the road, on the road from Jericho to Jerusalem, where he is going to meet those two blind men on his way to Jerusalem. But we can come to him in faith. And some folk, some folk think that because at his trial the Lord Jesus did not defend himself, that he never defended himself. And that consequently Christians should follow that same policy and never defend themselves. But there were times that the Lord did defend himself. And there certainly are times that his followers must defend themselves. Some people don't understand that when the Lord Jesus went to Jerusalem to die, why he didn't defend himself? Well, it was because he was taking your and my place because we are guilty. And without Christ Jesus, there would be no defense for any of us, not for what we have done and 
There wouldn't be anyone who could defend us either, not what we're guilty of. Jesus could, and he did. And that was the reason why he didn't open his mouth to defend himself at the time of his trial, because he stood there for us. He was bearing my sin, and he was bearing your sin at that time. And the closing scene of this chapter 20 tells about the healing of two blind men. And it is or was that with his disciples, the Lord is leaving Jericho. And a large crowd is following them. All of them going up to Jerusalem to fulfill everything that was written about Jesus. And what we see here described in scripture is the beginning of the end of this visit of the Lord to earth. And this is one of the last miracles of healing that are recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. Let's read verse 29. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. So having crossed the Jordan River from his ministry in Perea, Perea, the Lord was preparing to leave Jericho. And he seemed to have been walking in a not particular, in a non-particular kind of a roundabout way of which there's no record. A few days early, the Lord had sought comfort and relief away from the demanding crowds. We read in Matthew 14, verses 13 and following, when he went off by himself in a boat to a remote area to be alone, but now he again was surrounded by a lot of people. And a healing took place. But there is a difficulty here because Luke tells about a healing that took place when the Lord came close to the city of Jericho, we find in Luke 18, verse 35, while Mark tells in Mark 10, verse 46, and Matthew says so also that it happened when the Lord was leaving the city. Stanley M. Horton in the Complete Biblical Library writes, the encounter then would be between the two cities, Old and New Jerusalem, sorry, Old and New Jericho. In their walk from Jericho to Jerusalem, large, a large crowd was following the Lord and his disciples, and as they kept walking, they came across two blind men sitting beside the road. And when the men heard that it was Jesus who was passing by, probably because they had heard of the stories of his healing power, they started shouting out to him. 
verse 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Mark and Luke Luke tell that there was only one blind beggar, although Matthew tells of two. But that Bartimaeus was the better known of the two. Look at Mark 10, the verses 46 and 47. This from the Philip's Bible. Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving, as he was leaving it, accompanied by his disciples and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting in his usual place by the side of the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to call out, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. Verse 31. And the multitude rebuked them because they wanted that the two should hold their peace. But now they cried out so much the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Notice that they addressed him, O Lord, thou son of David. But no, the crowd could not shut him up. Nobody could get him to quiet down. They're on a roll now. It's possible that the people told the men to hold their peace because they may have thought that it was inappropriate to call the Lord by his messianic title, Son of David. Or perhaps they didn't want to delay the Lord, hold him up. Or perhaps they were worried that the Pharisees would find out that the Lord was among them or see him at all. Or it's possible that several in the crowd were so anxious to hear the voice of the Lord Jesus, to hear him speak as he passed by, that they didn't want to be bothered and missed the sound of his voice and were just not worried that the Lord came just as much for others perhaps folk less fortunate as for them. They probably didn't understand that the Lord wanted and loved to preach the gospel to the poor and to all people, that his heart overflowed with compassion for those in need. And the more the people fussed with the blind men, even scolded them for calling out to the Lord, so much the more they called out to Jesus for help and had little or no concern about the needs of others but their own. These, these two, they must have made quite a fuss because the Lord stopped walking, stopped in his tracks and called the blind men to him. Verse 32. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? The NIV says, What do you want me to do for you? 
And this may have been a question not quite really with the intention to get information, but more to stir their faith. Wharton writes this. He writes, this was not supposed to get information, but to stir the men's faith, as the Lord had done earlier, as recorded in Matthew 9, verse 28. And it says, And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Now, it was obvious that the Lord's way of dealing with people had changed, had just changed. As a rule, the Lord had ignored or rejected titles as son of David or any fame or notoriety, but not now. Also this time, he healed the blind men right in front of everybody's eyes and when the two wanted to follow him, that was all right with him too. That was a big change. Big change how he healed the men in front of everyone. While in early days, he had discouraged those healed from even, even telling others about their healing. Not now. Now the time had come for the Lord to be announced as the son of David. The time for the Lord's privacy was over now. That had passed, done and over with. Now time of solitude and seclusion of the earlier days was over. Now it was time for him to be announced and introduced as the son of David. It was when the Lord stopped for them and asked them, what is it that you want? What is it that I shall do for you? That at first, the blind man's request for the Lord's mercy was vague. In verse 30, we read, Sir, King David's son, have mercy on us. Notice that they addressed the Lord accurately, King David's son of David. The crowd told him to be quiet, but they only yelled louder. And as said, at first they, their request was shy and vague, but soon they said plainly what they wanted. They wanted their sight restored. Verse 33. Remember we are in chapter 20. And they say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. It was a most dramatic situation. The crowd gathering around wondering what would happen. But now the two men had told the Lord Jesus clearly and boldly what they wanted. They wanted their sight restored. Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Verse 34. So Jesus had compassion on them 
and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. The record of Mark is different from Matthew's. Mark mentions only one blind man who was called blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And he adds quite a bit of detail to the dialogue between them. John F. Wolford in Matthew, Thy Kingdom Come, writes that Mark omits reference to the second blind man, that it is no serious problem. Luke's gospel represents it as being nigh or near Jericho as if they were about to enter Jericho. The variations in these accounts have given rise to the allegation that the scriptures are in error in some of the details. Most of the problems dissolve when it is realized that there were two Jerichos, the Old Testament Jericho and the new city, which Herod the Great, Herod the Great, had built. It may be that the Lord was between the two cities when the miracle took place. R.C.H. Linsky, in the interpretation of St. Matthew's Gospel, offers another solution. The order of events, according to Lenski, includes the Lord having passed through the city. In Luke 19, verse 1, then he went into Jericho and was making his way through it, it says. Lenski suggests that without finding lodging and after meet, meeting Zacchaeus, the Lord and his disciples went back into Jerusalem and spent the night at his house. And on his return to Jericho, the blind men were healed. Lenski writes, This permits all the accounts to harmonize. The problem is not in the details that are given, but the details which are omitted, Lenski writes, and adds, If the full story were told, all the gospel accounts would undoubtedly be found accurate. And it is. Each account adds something to the others. Most significant is the fact that those who sought the Lord Jesus earnestly received the blessing of his marvelous power. Scripture offers us a beautiful story, loved, that story loved and known by practically every Sunday school child, about this wealthy man called Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector, wanting to see what sort of person Jesus was. But the crowd prevented him from doing so because Zacchaeus was very short. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to get a view 
of Jesus as he was heading that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and saw the man and said, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down. I must be at your I must be your guest today. Remember? Only Matthew gives the information that the Lord Jesus touched their eyes when he healed the two men. It seems that the Lord's heart, stirred by the dilemma, by the plight of the blind men, was moved with compassion, as recorded before, earlier, in Matthew 19, verse 36. He looked at the vast crowds and was deeply moved with pity for them, for they were as bewildered and miserable as a flock of sheep with no shepherd. The men healed from blindness followed the Lord. They accompanied him on his way to Jerusalem. There may have been a deeper thought that from that moment they also were his disciples, also followers of Christ. Just imagine sights, colors, flowers, the trees of Jericho must have brought a thrill to the eyes of these men now that they could see. But instead of delighting in their enjoyment brought by their newfound sight, they only wanted to follow Jesus, even though that meant taking the rough road and uneven road through barren mountain paths to a Jerusalem. And they saw in the Lord Jesus a better way and a better hope than that they had. And they turned their backs on Jericho to follow the Lord Jesus. God is not ashamed of people like these two men, as is recorded in Hebrews 11, verse 16. It's a beautiful verse. I'm reading from the New International Version. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Luke adds in his gospel that Bartimaeus kept glorifying God as loudly and as persistently as he had once cried for pity and help because of his blind eyes. And this had a wonderful effect because it caused others to praise God also. We read about that in Luke 18, verse 43. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. A miracle that was much the same is recorded in this Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 9, verses 27 to 31. The miracle there 
preceded the sending out of the twelve to preach that the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. That's what happened too. And here the healing of the two blind men stands at the close of the Galilean ministry and precedes the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Which is right around the corner. And this had important implications in different ways. As they called out to Jesus as Lord and Son of David. In Caesarea Philippi, the Lord had asked the twelve what people said of him. And their answer showed that his own disciples didn't really know him. Not one of them said that he was the son of David. That was his true messianic title. Earlier before this, perhaps you remember, the Canaanitess woman, a Gentile, had called out to him as Lord and as son of David, and he had not answered her until she had stopped calling these titles out to him. She had meant well, but she had been incorrect and out of place. Here there was no acknowledgement from the crowd of him as son of David, no request or petition from them at all. Showing the condition of the people. They had seen the miracles, they had heard his words, but they didn't believe on him as the promised one, the son of David the king and the redeemer of Israel. True, soon we read the account of their odes to him as Hosanna to the son of David at his triumphant entry in Jerusalem. But did it come from the heart? It seemed momentary and it seemed a passing interest and enthusiasm of a lot of emotional folk. Yes, the Jews, the people of the Lord, the people the Lord Jesus came for. And while the crowd follows him from Jericho, there are the voices of the two blind men Let's face it, instigated by the Holy Spirit. I say this because son of David, making him heir to the throne of David, and now he was to be presented to Jerusalem while already as according to Jewish law, the testimony of two witnesses was present as it was necessary. The Holy Spirit provided these 
in the cries of the two blind men at the wayside. Just at the wayside. Not very fancy. Just at the wayside. Arno C. Gablin in the Gospel of Matthew writes, This is the reason why two blind men are mentioned exclusively in the first Gospel. Matthew, the Jewish Gospel, while Luke and Mark speak of the one blind man only. And so, while the Lord is on his way to Jerusalem, and no voice from the multitude is heard declaring him as son of David, and therefore as the king, a confession from these two sitting in darkness because of their blindness is heard. That people had heard of him is obvious. That the two men's main wish was to be healed is just as sure. They had faith in him so that they could speak out, but it was the Holy Spirit who put that confession and cry in their hearts and on their lips. Have mercy on us, Lord, Son of David. And the crowds called the two men so they would be quiet, showing their unbelief and the condition of their souls because if, if, just if they had shared the faith of these two men, why would they have scolded them, rebuked them? The confession of this man, Jesus, as son of David, was intolerable to the crowd. But the two men could not be silenced. They were not to be stopped, muzzled, the Holy Spirit had moved them. And even as they are rebuked, they cry out so much the more with their solemn witness, Son of David. The Lord touched them. Full of compassion, he touched them. And their sight was restored. Gablin, spiritualizing, writes, Now, here we have a dispensational foreshadowing. These two blind men, groping in the dark, crying to the Son of David for deliverance, are types of the poor and feeble remnant of Israel in the end of this age after the testimony of the church for Christ, the Son of God, by resurrection from the dead has been finished. And the church is no longer upon the scene. Gabriel writes, that remnant of Israel will cry out to him as son of David and call upon him for deliverance. The entrance of Jerusalem a few days later 
the triumphant entrance in Jerusalem foreshadows the coming of the son of David to Jerusalem when he comes as king crowned with honor and glory. And as the two blind men called on him when he was on the way to Jerusalem and he heard and, he and healed them, so will that remnant of his earthly people seek him and cry to the son of David without seeing him in person yet, though they believe on him that he is the promised one. As the cry of the blind men was the instigation of the Holy Spirit, so will the seeking, the longing, the prayers of those at that future time by the Spirit of God be. Gabriel writes, the crowd that rebuked the two men at the wayside and tried to silence them foreshadows that part of the people of Israel which remains in unbelief in that great tribulation, which hates their own brethren, those who are expecting the coming of the Messiah and who cry to him for deliverance. As we read in Isaiah 66 verse 5, this from the Living Bible, hear the words of God, all you who fear him and tremble at his words, your brethren hate you and cast you out for being loyal to my name. Glory to God, they scoff. Be happy in the Lord. But they shall be put to shame. Those in Israel who at the end time tremble at his word are part of the godly remnant. They are hated by their own brethren and are cast out. They also are being mocked. Them themselves and their hope. But those are the ones that shall be ashamed. The two blind men were healed and followed the Lord. Their eyes were suddenly opened. So shall the remnant behold the Lord. And as no doubt, these two men were witnesses to the Lord's triumphant entry into Jerusalem and shouted out the praise and glory of his name. So will all the delivered, delivered remnant of Israel and all who worship him sing forth Christ's praises and follow him. May you be among them. Amen.